That's what the Torah does. It gives you a framework to reframe everything, to not just look locally. In what context am I? Where am I? What am I doing here? Why am I here? All these real things give meaning to life. And it's the meaning that, that you get in your life that enables you to endure all kinds of different sufferings. Episode number 90. Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with this week's Torah Podcast. The Torah portion of the week is Tetzaveh, How the Jews Handle Misfortune, the Art of Suffering. We're going to have a powerful parable about saving pennies, a great story about the Klosenberger Rebbe, and peace in your home having faith. And now, the Torah portion of the week, with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. The Gemara in Yovamos 47a explains how do we help a person to become a ger, a convert. The Gemara says like this, If at the present time the man wants to become a convert, he is to be addressed as follows. What reason have you for desiring to become a convert? Do you not know that Yisrael at the present time are persecuted and oppressed and despised and harassed and overcome by afflictions? If he replies, I know, yet I am not worthy, he's accepted right away. So here we see, it doesn't matter what time period we're talking about, the Jews through all the history are persecuted, oppressed, despised, harassed, and we have afflictions. So we ask him, are you sure you want to convert? Do you know what the story is with the Jewish people? Do you know what the story is? If he says yes, then we allow him to convert. So the first verse in this week's Parsha says like this, And you will command the children of Israel, and they shall take for you clear olive oil, crushed for illumination, to light a lamp continually. This is the Ner Tamid. This is the light that was always lit in the Mishkan, and it was lit in the base of Mikdash continuously. So the Shmos Rabbi says on this verse, As the prophet says, An olive tree, beautiful with good fruit, God called your name, it's a Pesach Yirmiyahu. Why is Yisrael called after the, after the olive tree? Aren't other types of trees also pleasant and beautiful? Rather, with regard to the olive tree, while the olives are on the tree, first they're picked, then they're brought down from the tree, then they're beaten once, and then they're beaten again, and then they're surrounded by ropes and pressed by huge stones, and they're crushed. After all this, they give forth their oil. So too the Jewish people. Idolaters come and beat them from place to place and oppress them. They bind them with chains and surround them and besiege them. After that, the Jewish people do tshuva, they return to God, and God answers him. So we see from the Midrash, which explains the Indian that olive oil, why are we like an olive oil? We have to have this pure olive oil to light the Ner Talmud that stays lit constantly in the base of Megdash. And we're compared to the olives, because if you crush us and beat us, the pure olive oil comes out in the sense that we return to God. But this is our history, and this is the story of the Jewish people. Like it says, we're oppressed from place to place, we're bound with chains, we're besieged. In the end, we do tshuva, and that's our nature. So somehow we see that we're destined to suffer. The Jewish people have suffered through history, and that's part of our being, that's part of our story. We're destined to suffer. The question is why? What's going on? 
The Orachim also explains what does it mean like the olives are pounded. It has to do with Torah study. Torah study involves a student as pounding himself. He has spiritually pounded himself, like the Pasik says, the one who died in the tent. In order to get Torah, you have to work very, very hard. There's another Chazal that says a person has to spit up his mother's milk and be able to learn Torah. That's how hard he has to work. So it's also part of our suffering. We're commanded to learn Torah, and we have to work extremely hard. Because the Torah is like olive oil. That's the dimion. That's the comparison. So again, we see we have to suffer. And the Chasim Sofer also explains on this verse, we know that the olive oil that had to be used in the Nair Tamid was the very first olive oil, was the purest olive oil. It had to be of the highest standards of purity. So too Torah learning. It involves extracting efforts required infinite hours of toil. We have to work very, very hard to get a few pure drops of pure Torah, to make sure the Torah is clear, to make sure we understand it completely, to make sure it's true. But it's a tremendous amount of effort. Torah learning requires a lot of suffering, a lot of mysterious nefesh. But not only in terms of Torah learning, in terms of mitzvahs itself also. Rav Moshe Steinberg says, the menorah itself, Moshe Rabbeinu had difficulty constructing the menorah. And Hashem had to show him how to do it. So he asked, why was it so difficult to control? Why Hashem made a menorah that was so difficult to make? So he explains, proper fulfillment of the Torah is extremely difficult. So much so that even Moshe Rabbeinu found it challenging. And Hashem had to tell him what to do. So not only in terms of Torah that we have to work so hard to get pure Torah, but we also have to work hard in terms of the mitzvahs. More suffering, more hard work. What's going on here? And not only that, there's a third aspect. Also, we have to work hard in terms of tikkun amidos, in terms of changing our character traits. We have Noam Elimelech says on the Pasuk, on this verse, beaten for illumination, you must strike and beat yourself into submission before Hashem, and then you will burn with a great light and illuminate the lamps forever, causing the flame to go forth with love and unceasing passion for Hashem. And in order to have passion for God, he says, <laughs> he says you have to beat yourself. What's going on here? We have to work very, very hard to overcome our bad character traits. And the Malbim explains that the Begadim, which is also in this week's Parsha, of the Kohen Gadol, all have to do with a different character trait. For example, he says, the external garments of the Kohenim was to guide them how to dress their souls with the best character to achieve purity and sanctity. For example, the tunic, we had to, we had to do with murder. And the Misachim had to do the, the undergarments, had to do with sexual immorality. Mitznefit, which was a turban, had to do with haughtiness, had to work on haughtiness. And the Avnit has to do with improper thoughts. The Choshen, which was worn on the chest, has to do with the miscarriage of justice, to make sure we're just. And the Ephod atones for idol worship. The Me'il, the robe, atones, atones for gossip. And the Sitz has to do with arrogance also. So he says, first, we put on Begadim to remove an animalistic drive. These are the undergarments. And afterwards, we have the other garments, which have to do with higher levels of purity, and higher levels of being a mensch, of being a human being. But we see from here, whether it's Torah or mitzvahs or tikkun amidos, fixing our character, it requires a tremendous amount of hard work and suffering. So the question is, if this is what Judaism is about, 
this tremendous amount of hard work, the mysterious nephish, uh, constantly uh, guarding yourself, constantly working on yourself. How does a person, where does a person get the strength to go through all this suffering? Where do the Jews get their strength to suffer for generations? That in every generation, the, the idol worshippers beat us around and take us here, they put us into exile over here and over there, the suffering, the Holocaust, the, uh, the Inquisition in Spain. How come the Jews are still around the cloud? How do we go through all this suffering? What was our secret that allowed us to handle this religion? What is this religion? This religion of suffering? The answer is no, it's not a religion of suffering. Why not? So I'm going to explain it with a verse. A verse from Tehillim. The verse says like this. Had your Torah not been my preoccupation, I would have perished in my suffering. This is what David Amalek says. It's in Tehillim 119, verse number 92. Again, had, you, had your Torah not been my preoccupation, I would have perished in my suffering. And the Tanah Be'eliyahu explains that when a person is threatened by afflictions, and he has all kinds of problems. If he goes to the basement and he learns Torah, he'll become calm and tranquil. It will calm him down. The Torah itself, Hashem gave us the refuah before the makkah, the healing before the, the patch. We got the healing first, the Torah itself, through all of our troubles. Since we were able to sit and learn Torah and focus on Torah, it calmed us down. We didn't need any drugs, no tranquilizers. We didn't need to drink. We just need to go to the base midras and sit and learn. It loved Dafka the base midras, even in your house. If you open up a Torah book, Mamela automatically it helps you to handle your problems. That's Torah itself. And Rav Henek Leibowitz brings a beautiful proof for this. There's a Gemara in Shabbos. Where's that Gemara? Shabbos 31a. This says like this. One time, there was a non-Jew walking by a base mitzvah, and he was listening to the Rebbe teaching the students. And he was telling him this week's Parsha. What was going on there? And he says, the garments that are made for the Kohen Gadol, all these beautiful garments, and he's explaining with such detail how beautiful they were, what covered it was, that the Kohen Gadol should look like a king. And so he says to himself, you know what? I'm going to convert. If I convert, maybe I could become a Kohen Gadol, and I can also dress that way. So first he went to Beit Shammai, Beit Shammai won't accept him. Then he went to Beit Hillel, and he asked Hillel, I want to convert. Please help me. So Hillel said, Hillel said to him, listen, it's not easy to be in Kohen Gadol. It's very complicated. And the temple surface is also very complicated. You're going to have to learn all these different laws. So he said, no problem. I'm going to learn. I want to learn. So what happened? He started to learn. And eventually he came across the verse in Bumidbar that says, and the stranger that approaches the sanctuary shall surely die. So he asked his Rebbe, he said, what, who is this stranger? Who is he talking about? It's talking anybody who wasn't born a Kohen. Even David Amalek can't go in the Kedosh Kedoshim. So then he concluded, wait a second. If a Jew who is not a Kohen can't go in and be the Kohen Gadol, so surely uh, me, I'm just a gear, I'm converting, I surely I can't be a Kohen Gadol. So what happened? Nevertheless, he continues his studies and he eventually converted. 
So Rav Henek Leibowitz has a gavot kasha on this. He says, wait a second, what happened here? First, the guy started out that he wanted to convert for the wrong reasons because he's going to dress, he's going to be the Kohen God, the one get off his covered and dressed a certain way, dressed with tremendous covered. Then all of a sudden, he finds out that there's no way. But anyway, in the end, he converts. So if we look at the story, there's only one thing that changed. What changed was is the, this convert learned Torah himself. It was the learning of Torah that allowed him, to, that, that gave him the strength to convert even so. Like we said, we know we tell the convert it's going to be difficult, it's going to be hard. He wanted to convert for the wrong reasons. And still, since after he learned Torah, the Torah itself gave him the strength to convert for the right reasons. It gave him the energy. He saw in the Torah itself the light that, that this is the right way to go. Even though originally he started for the wrong reasons, but he went for the right reasons. So we see that Torah itself has a koach, it has a strength to help a person to grow spiritually. Also, like we said before, it helps the person to be able to solve all of his sufferings. So that was all in terms of learning Torah itself. One way we're able to handle suffering is through the learning Torah itself. But the Radak has another parish on that same Pasuk at Tehillim. I'll tell you that Pasuk again, it's so important. Had your Torah not been my preoccupation, I would have perished in my suffering. The Radak says on this, had I not been preoccupied with my belief in your Torah, your teachings and promises, I surely would have perished in my suffering. In other words, it's the philosophy of the Torah, the understanding of the Torah, what the Torah means. That's what gives the Jew the strength to handle all of his difficult load. For example, the Slach says in Pesachim, he says, on the Pasuk, Shema Yisrael, every Pasuk we say every day, night and day, Hero Yisrael, Hashem is your God, Hashem is one. So the Sach explains, we say, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Hashem is the name of mercy. Hashem Elokeinu. The God of mercy is the God of, of din, of, of judgment. The same God, he explains, the same attribute of justice, which is represented by Elokim, that we say in Shema Yisrael, is the shame, same Hashem, who is the Hashem of mercy. In other words, we understand from the Torah, and that all of our difficulties are coming from mercy. They're not, they look like they're difficult. They appear to be difficult. But if we look deeper into it, we will see that it's really Hashem's mercy. He's helping us. And not only is Hashem helping us, but He cares about us. Rabbeinu Bachia says in this week's Parsha, Surely Hashem didn't need us to light the menorah in the base of Iktash. Hashem has the sun and the stars and the moon. He's got plenty of lights. He doesn't need those lights inside the base of Megdash, but he says, the lights which Aaron is kindling are very beloved to me, even more so than the ones that I have set in heaven. Hashem himself testifies that when the Jews, when Aaron, when the accounting God, the lights, the menorah in the base of Megdash, it's more precious to him, even than all the stars and the planets that he created. In other words, he, we are special in front of God. God loves us. God gave us a place. God gives us space. God, God is our Father. We're His children. So knowing that helps us to handle what's ever thrown at us. Not only that, but we understand that the Torah itself is something beyond this world. Rav Shimshon Farish explains, the menorah, which represented Torah, was put outside the parochus. That's what the verse says. It was put outside of the curtains. Why is that? Because we're outside, the Torah is outside of us. The Torah was given to man, but it's not a product of a human intellect. Man is drawn to increase in enlightenment from the Torah, but he was never introduced his own light into the Torah. 
In other words, it shouldn't be those like those arrogant people that uh, want to con- they want to explain the Torah the way they want to explain it. No, we understand the Torah is something from Hashem Himself. There's no way that we could understand anything without the Torah. All we would know is what we see with our senses. We'd be able to use our intellect a little bit. But there's no way we'd be able to know all the secrets of the universe. The Torah is the secrets of the universe. Once we understand that the Torah is the secrets of the universe, and God loves us, and He cares about us, so of course we're able to go through whatever it takes to get there, to get to understanding. And since God wants us to work on our mitos, He wants us to work on our character, of course we're going to do whatever it takes to work on our character. Because we know that it's master of the universe. It's God. It's God Himself helping us, telling us what to do. And of course we're going to solve it, to handle it. Like the Orcha Siddiquim says, a person who believes with his whole heart and trusts in God's help will always be happy and able to endure anything. Unbelievable. This is just like a sick person must take a bitter medicine to be cured. A person willingly endures his problem free of worry. Such a person is also satisfied with the little that he has. It's sufficient whatever God gives him. Thus, we see that happiness includes everything. In other words, if we're, we understand there's a God in the world who cares about us, we're able to, who all the things that we're going through are to purify us. Everything that we're here for is to grow. Like the, the Vilna Gon said, if a person is not here to metak in his midos, what is he here for? Why are we here? We're here to grow. We're here to go through this process. And if we understand that God loves us, and everything he's doing is to help us, so we're going to be happy. We're going to be able to handle, and if we're happy, I better handle anything. On the other hand, he says, someone who worries and doesn't have peace of mind, and is constantly figuring out ways to make more money, and is not satisfied with what God gives him, that person is now, is, no matter how much money he has, no matter how much he has, he's always going to want more and more. And he continues, what brings a person to proper faith in God? To be unaffected by any bad happening except everything with joy and serenity. A person needs to believe with perfect faith that his creator, that he does good and he is the most merciful being and that he is the true judge. And all that he does is for a person's own good. Once a person has that, of course he's going to be happy. And when you're happy, you're able to solve any all kind of situation. So one of the points I want to make is it's not a question of self-control. Really, there's no such thing as self-control. It's very, how do you, how do you control yourself? The answer is, if you have goals, if you understand your purpose in life, it's not a question of self-control. It's much easier. You're able to handle it. This week, I went to go speak to Rav Chaim Kavanetsky in Bnei Brak, and I overheard a Jewish guy came in and said, listen, my daughter wants to marry a non-Jew. So the Rav said to him, did she go crazy? Maybe she went crazy. In other words, are you kidding me? Uh, it must be she went crazy. What do you mean she went crazy? You've lost your context. You've lost touch with reality. It's the same kind of thing. The progressives say, oh, if it feels good, do it. Are you nuts? Have you lost your lost context? The Ramchal explains in, in his logic, he explains you have an idea of a connotation and denotation. Denotation means the word refers to the thing itself, and the connotation means you bring the context with it. For example, if I say someone is a government worker, it means this guy works for the government. But if I say he's a politician, not only does he work for the government, but it brings the whole context along with it. We are, we're not isolated. We're, we're not, the problem is we lost track of where 
where we are. We're not. If you don't have the bigger picture, so then you're lost. It's like you're crazy. You don't know what you're doing. If it feels good, do it. You have no control over yourself. But if you have the bigger picture, you understand you're here for a purpose, and you have meaning. Meaning is what gives happiness to life if things have meaning but meaning only is there if it's broader you know it, it can't be just looking locally you have to be looking at the bigger picture the bigger goal that's how athletes can can uh, endure all kinds of things you can endure anything people who have goals with lives they can endure almost everything there's all these crazy stories of people that endured incredible things they say Viktor Frankl in his psychology, one of the questions he asked, he asked, why don't you commit suicide? Why don't you kill yourself? So the person thinks, and some people would say, well, I have a daughter, or I want to get married, or I love my parents, and all these things, even this, these things. So those are the things that give you meaning. <laughs> Ask yourself, well, are you just suffering? Life is hard. Why don't you kill yourself? The answer to those questions are the things that give meaning in your life. And if you can build up on those things that give meaning in your life, then you can build a framework and reframe everything in terms of those things. That's what the Torah does. It gives you a framework to reframe everything, to not just look locally. In what context am I? Where am I? What am I doing here? Why am I here? All these real things give meaning to life. And it's the meaning that, that you get in your life that enables you to endure all kinds of different sufferings. So in the end of the day, the answer to how the Jews can handle all the sufferings is the Torah itself. Why? Because the Torah puts everything into the proper framework. When you learn Torah, and you learn the philosophy of the Torah, and you see the greatness of the Torah, it creates a context in where you can live. You don't just live isolated. You're living in the context of a greater good, of a God who's kind, of, of meaning in your life. And that's the meaning that gives you happiness that allows us to handle any type of suffering. Here is a powerful parable to open your mind and help you reach your potential. So the Magi Madur brings the same verse, to keep the lamp burning constantly. He says that the lamp was a symbol of Torah, like it says, Ne'er mitzvah Torah or, for a commandment that is a candle and the Torah is a light. That's a Pasuk from Mishlei. So he explains, the Torah needs to be learned with diligence and persistence, that no time should be lost. We know all the Gadol and all the great rabbis, they didn't waste a minute. Every minute they were learning and growing. So he wants to bring a mushal. There was two poor men. They used to schlep from village to village and collect money. And they always got enough to get by, they both collected money. But they were very different from each other. One of them, as soon as he got his money, he would spend it right away. There'd be nothing left the next day back to zero. The other one, he would collect and he would always save a little bit on the side. So little by little, that one started to save some money. And he bought some merchandise and he sold it. Then he made a little bit more money. And little by little, he actually became a well-to-do person. He approved his lot just by collecting the money and saving a little bit. But his friend, he continued his way, always stayed a beggar his entire life. He'd always spend the money, be nothing left. That was the mash, it was the nimshal. The nimshal is a person is given a certain amount of years to live. They're compromised of days and hours. If a person knows how to utilize his time, and during that time he learns Torah and he does mitzvahs, 
in the end, one will join to the next, and he'll have a tremendous reward, a tremendous reward in the next world. But if a person wastes his time day after day, in the end, you'll have nothing. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. The Klausenberger Rebbe relates that one time during the heights of the horror of the Holocaust, a Jewish professor who was not religious asked him this question. Cynically, he says. He says, what do you know? He says, what do you say about the Jewish people now, Rebbe? The Rebbe answered, don't worry, it will be good. So the, the professor was shocked. How can he say such a thing? He says, listen, I'm not a prophet. And in terms of, of myself, I don't know what's going to be. But I know one thing. The future of the Jewish people is going to be good. I know with certainty our people will survive. And all the accursed evildoers will be des uh, destroyed and disappear. This phenomenon has, uh, has happened over and over through the history of the Jewish people. In the end, every enemy that came against us was wiped out. And today they don't even exist as a civilization. And on the other hand, you can find complete families from one Jew who was killed by Messias Nefesh, was killed by the Nazis, he was killed, but his, families were, his family survived. And there's hundreds of great-grandchildren and children that are all serving God and have a great life. And the people who killed him, they have no descendants at all, nothing left to them. So the professor had to agree with the words of the Rebbe. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. Rav Moshe Aaron explains that one of the things needed for Shalom Bayes to have peace in your house is faith. If you have faith, you're going to bring peace into your house. You and your wife, they both have to have faith. If a person has faith, he explains you can up, uh, handle all the ups and downs of life. It's like putting a rock behind the wagon wheel. If the wagon starts to go backwards a little bit, his faith will keep the wagon in place. He brings the Maharam who explains that every Jewish mother tells every child to put his hands over his eyes when he says Shema. To have that a person, what do we learn from there? That we have to have blind faith. We have to believe that everything Hashem does is for good. And really every Jew has faith. The question is how do Jews sin? And the Yet Sahara comes in, he explains. Sometimes the Yet Sahara comes in and causes the person to sin. He says, even there's a famous story about Revelio Alopian. There was a famous Apicorsus that every day he used to stand up and, and speak. And there's no God, there's no Din, there's no Dian, there's no judgment, and there's no judge. And every day, so what happened? They heard one time he had to go to the hospital, and he was about to go into the operating room, a very serious operation. They heard him crying. He says, in your hands I place my soul. You have redeemed me, God of truth. This is the Jewish happy courses. But when it came down to it, he starts to pray. Because every Jew, he believes in God. Yechazal tells us that even a, a thief calls on the name of God to help him. A guy's about to rob in the house. He prays, please help me, Hashem. There's a true story in Arnulf. There's these robbers came into the house, and they, there was somebody in the house, they saw them running out. And on the way out, they kissed the mezuzah. <laughs> so you see that really inside of every Jew has faith. It's just that he gets lost a little bit sometimes. What does it have to do with? It has to do with we have to have faith in order to have shalom in our house. If we don't have faith, we're going to have a very difficult lives. We're always going to be fighting and worrying and complaining. If you have faith, it helps to bring peace into your house. So he explained that we pray for chasidim tovim, which means Hashem's good chesed, his good kindness. So, but isn't all of Hashem's kindness good? 
The answer is yes, it is. But we pray that we see it. We don't always see the good. We have to see the good. We have to see the good in our house. We have to be relaxed. So he says, one time a Rav asked, if suffering is really good, so why don't we say a blessing on it? So the other Rav answered, we do say a blessing on it. That Hashem, you take care of all of our needs. When we say the blessing in the morning, Hashem, you take care of all of our needs, that's including all the, in other words, how does He take care of all of our needs? Through a suffering, because our needs are to grow. So Hashem, it's true, we do say a blessing on it. So he brings the famous story of Chaim Abris. This is a famous story. Somebody came to Rav Chaim. He says, I have a lot, a lot of questions in Amuna. I don't know what's going on. I don't believe in God. I have a lot of questions. So he asked him, when did these questions start? Uh, you have the questions that you have now. Did they start after you started with Mechal Shabbos, after you became not religious, or before? So he says, most of the questions I have now, it happened after I became not religious. So he says, listen, your questions are not questions. Your questions are answers. The answers to why you don't want to be religious. You want to be free. So you have a lot of answers of why you can be free. So I can't answer your answers because they're not, <laughs> that's what they are. They're not questions. They're answers. So really, if you had faith, so then you, would, you wouldn't have any questions. That's what it says. A believing Jew has no questions. And the point is, in terms of Shalom bias, that if you believe that everything's Minishimayim, so you're not going to be uptight all the time. You're not going to be striving constantly why he has a nicer car, and why I don't have any money, and why this, and why this. And that's what creates all the fighting in the house. If you have a Munibatak, and you're both two happy people, and you're able to live together in peace, because you have inner peace. So if you really want to work on peace in your house, then you should also work on your faith. Because your faith is going to bring you to peace. Okay, that's it for this week's Torah Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and please share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at GlobalYeshiva.com.